Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Anyways, definitely your strongest suit, although you 
are pretty um, well equipped to discuss any of these uh, sports, any of these topics. And first thing I want to talk about before we get into free agency and Kevin Durant and anything else um, you want to discuss, let's talk about Derrick Rose to the New York Knicks trade. Firstly, how it will impact Derrick Rose, how it will impact the Bulls, how it will impact the Knicks, and how it could impact free agency with Rose now being a Nick. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here with just one name. Um, as you mentioned, just this trade alone um, can affect a, a lot of teams. And, you know, starting starting with Chicago, um, I think it's going to affect them, obviously, positively. There were uh, murmurs of he and Jimmy Butler not getting along well, um, although that might have been stymied by uh, – Jimmy Butler's heartfelt uh, Twitter or Instagram uh, post about Derrick Rose and how he kind of took him under his wing and showed him how to be an NBA player, which I kind of found funny because how are you supposed to teach someone how to be an NBA player when you can't even stay on the court? Um, but regardless of how they got along um, in the locker room, I think it's going to benefit Chicago and Jimmy Butler as um, you know, they were both ball-dominating guards that, that needed to have the ball in their hands to um, to make the plays or really maximize uh, the talent, what they hold. And, you know, Jimmy Butler showed uh, that he's an NBA all-star. Um, you know, when Rose wasn't on the court, he was a guy that was averaging over 20 points um, and averaging – over five assists, and we all know how good he is defensively. So that doesn't really take into account anything with Rose leaving his defensive game, but um, he's going to be a lot more involved offensively. Um, But, you know, Chicago missed the playoffs last year um, and was really a bad season for them. They let go of Tom Thibodeau, um, brought in Fred Hoiberg, who uh, was from Iowa State and, you know, Going from Tom Thibodeau being a defensive coach, um, how just awesome this team was defensively. To go into last year, they were in the bottom of the barrel defensively, and they bring in an offensive coach, and they're horrible on offense. So um, while a lot of Chicago fans, um, I feel like you're on either side of the fence with throws as a Chicago fan. You either dislike them because of – the injuries and just, you know, not playing in the playoffs that one year when teammates were saying he could play and, um, or you either loved him as, you know, he was an MVP and uh, taking them far into the playoffs. But so the effect on Chicago is Jay Butler is trying to continue to be an all-star and be able to uh, handle the basketball more. He's not going to be the point guard per se, but, um, he's going to be able to dominate the ball and and uh, be that dominant force. Um, so positive for Chicago in that respect, but I think their organization is in shambles right now. Um, letting Tom Thibodeau go was the worst mistake of, of this franchise could do. Um, nothing on the players. I mean, they – went from a, a very defensive mindset to trying to be one of the fastest-paced teams in the NBA with, without the players equipped to do so. Uh, when you talk about Joe Kimnall, who's not an offensive threat to score the ball, he's no more for defense and, and passing. Rose can stay on the court. Um, and he was, just, he was bad this year. So going to the Knicks, uh, you know, it's – I don't think it's going to be be good for, for D-Rose and Knicks fans. I think Phil Jackson is just trying to make a splash and show that he's more, trying and willing to bring in players alongside Carmelo Anthony and Christoph Porzingis to uh, make a run at the postseason, let alone uh, go back to the championship for the first time since 1981, I believe. Um, and then there are rumors that Joe Kim Noah might be the next on the way to um, uh, New York. Um, and if he doesn't sign there, uh, Dwight Howard uh, is a target for Phil Jackson. Um, now, if Dwight Howard's 
signs there, uh, this is really going to put the fun in dysfunctional because you got a guy in Derek Rose who uh, is injury-prone and uh, kind of gets involved in uh, social media in the wrong ways. And then you got a guy with Dwight Howard who everywhere he's gone since Orlando, um, and even at the tail end of uh, being in Orlando, he has caused problems in the locker room with, with Kobe Bryant, obviously. And then in Houston, it came out that he and James Harden weren't really getting along, and he wanted out of there. So uh, what do you think is going to change if he goes to New York, you know? You know like, team up with a player like Derek Rose. No, who, nothing. His attitude is his biggest problem, 100%. Yeah. There's clearly no issue with his skill set and his size and strength. It's purely attitude. And... um the only way that he'll ever learn, and obviously won't happen because of his skill set, is if he's a free agent and people pass up on him and he's got to wait and wait and wait and wonder yeah. when his contract is going to come. And unfortunately, he's the type of talent that that's just not going to happen to. He's going to get mad. I know or totally, yeah. totally different too. But imagine if he got the Ian Desmond treatment from this offseason that Desmond got. Right. I think it, right. You know, uh, it might humble him just a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think you know that's a that's a um, very intelligent uh, uh, analogy there. And I think um, the only problem is, and I know I know you pretty much alluded to it, is um, his skill set won't translate to that ever happening. Um, and the other thing is the new TV money that's coming in a year. Um, we talked about it last week, Harrison Barnes. Um, Players of Harrison Barnes, excuse me, talent are going to be max uh, players. So Dwight Howard, yeah, I you know what? Great point. Great point. We were talking about that last week, and it's ridiculous. But that's just what the sports are coming to, especially basketball yeah. now with their TV money just coming in. The baseball TV money came in, uh, I think, this year or last year, um, and they already had ridiculous contracts even before that. Right. Yeah, so so a player like Dwight Howard, he's going to get maxed out um, wherever he goes. And, you know, uh, I think there are GMs out there that are smart enough to say, uh, no way, I'm not touching a guy like him. And I'd rather max out a guy like Harrison Barnes, who uh, is a locker room guy and uh, may not have the talent that Dwight Howard does, but he's not going to bash your team on social media or or try to get a coach fired a la Sandra and Gundy. Um, uh, now, the um, Scott, or Brown, the coach of uh, the Lakers that got fired, um, it was probably more so Kobe um, getting that done than Dwight Howard. But uh, pretty much wherever Dwight Howard has gone, there's been a coaching change. Uh, same thing in Houston. Um, I'm bringing Harding. Follow him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he either follows him or brings it wherever he goes. Um, yes. Never want to use this word, obviously, but he's kind of like a cancer to organizations. Yeah, definitely. Certainly, certainly. He them from the inside. Backs them from the inside, and there's not really a cure, except for right. getting rid of him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's it there, and um, so just well, wrapping up the road thing. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about KD. Um, because KD, um, although we both agreed it's likely he might sign a one-year deal with OKC, it's got to be tough when your caliber of KD, you are a good locker room presence. You're not like a Dwight Howard. Um, you're arguably a top three or four player in the world. Um, you're going to have everyone coming at you and coming at you big. So if you're Kevin Durant, do you wait another year, sign a one-year deal, or do you try and get max money right now and join a team that's already in place that you think you can take to the next level? If so, name me a couple teams you think would be the best fits for him. Well, he's going to take a one-year no matter where he goes because it's just it's a smart thing to do, um, obviously. I guess he could go to that team. That, that brand, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna sign the one year, and like even if he knows he's gonna stay 
uh, in that franchise. He could just sign the one year, uh, finish that one year, wipe his hands, and get the max money um, with the new TV deal. It's just um, it's the way it's going to happen. It's not if. It's just because you know the the way the money is, and it's it just be um, stupid not to do so. But yeah, he's he's going to hit the free agent market. Um, like he did already. It happened uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, but there's six teams that he's going to have uh, supposed meetings with. Um, he has yet to uh, uh, make a meeting with, with the Knicks, which um, there have been rumors that uh, he's at least just going to meet with them to see uh, what they say. And, you know, that New York is the mecca of basketball, they say. I don't know how true that, that is anymore. I, don't, I think that's uh, more so a thing of the past. But um, the Warriors, Spurs, home team Thunder, uh, Celtics, the Heat, and the Clippers. Now, um, Warriors, obviously, we saw what, what they've done in the last two seasons, and they had a guy that came into ranch. Um, it's just going to be unfair uh, to other basketball teams. Uh, yeah, I you think. might as well just hand them the NBA championship right then and yeah. there if they get Kevin Durant. I'm sorry, but... Um, any com- any competitive advantage or disadvantage um, that exists in sports would be this would set a brand new precedent for it because if you thought LeBron joining Bosch and Wade in Miami was crazy and unfair and I know you don't because you like LeBron and I do too and I thought it was a smart decision by, by LeBron and let's not get on that topic <laughs> but yeah. Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors would be just unfair. Like the league, the way the league vetoed Chris Paul to the Lakers, they would find a way to not let that happen because it would just ruin basketball. Yeah, it would. It would be unreal, and unless an injury to Kevin Durant or or Curry or maybe uh, Draymond Green, uh, with all systems go, uh, they might win eight see, games. Yeah, Bro, I couldn't. I couldn't games. see it. I couldn't see a team. Um, you know, yeah, they they might not uh, try all that much during the regular season, and especially after this regular season where they set the record and then they lost. Maybe they think um, in the future, hey, let's maybe uh, get some rest at the tail end here. But uh, speaking of playoffs, I, I don't think they'd lose a game. And then, um, you know, going into the championship, uh if they lost the game, I'd be surprised, and especially against the the Eastern Conference team. Um, let's just who, assume who that it's playing Cleveland. The only team they even right. have a chance of playing in the East would be Cleveland if, if LeBron right. stays. Who, who's going to be Cleveland? The Raptors. I mean, you know, I love the Raptors, but we saw what happened this year. And the best the Raptors are going to do is bring back DeRozan. And that's yeah. They. Facing Cleveland, I would be surprised even with LeBron, even if he played like he did this championship. Uh, you got to guard a guy like Curry, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson, all from the perimeter. Like, give me a break. There's not a chance. It's tough covering one of those guys, alone three of them on the court at the same time. Um, and Golden State, the only the only chops they would have to make to pull in. Um, max money for Kevin Durant is cut a guy like Andrew Brogett and Harrison Barnes. And, oh, and Festus and Zeely. Those three guys. Uh, Bogut was not on the floor. Obviously, he got hurt. Um, and that was a bigger blow than a lot of people think in the championship. But then Festus and Zeely did nothing in the championship. He only played because Bogut was hurt. And then we talked about Harrison Barnes, who played himself uh, maybe out of a max deal, couldn't shoot the ball uh, to the side of a barn door. Definitely played so, out of a deal with Golden State for, for a lot of money, that's for sure. So, yeah, that was so put a, guy like, put a guy like Kevin Durant in where Harrison Barnes was um, in that series, uh, and it's not it's not even funny. Um, so, yeah, the Warriors, obviously, so what, that's, that, that's it. Before we move on, what happens to a team like OKC if they lose Durant, like does Westbrook leave eventually, or do they go out and they try and find a replacement for Durant so they can still be 
one of those strong forces in the West. I think they would definitely try to do so. Um, but out of the two guys, um, Durant, Durant and Russell, Russell Westbrook, who um, Russell can hit the free agent market uh, next year, I think if KD goes, uh, Russell's gone. Um, he's a L.A. guy. Uh, we know the Lakers are going to have money to spend. Uh, they got a young nucleus there. Um, I think you know if you if you put Durant Bro, and I'm Westbrook. I'm standing by my bold bold prediction from a couple weeks ago. Um, I forget what show it was. It was last week or the week before, and that's LeBron and KD both being Lakers, not next season, but the season after that. They're both going to go to LA and win a championship there. I would love that, and I. That's that's the one thing. We'll, I'll talk about with you with that in a second after I um, just say what I was going to say about Russell, which is, uh, and I, I think you'd agree and tell me if I'm wrong that I feel like. If, if KD's gone, then Russell's definitely not going to stay. Um, and if you were to look at either of those players um, and which one would uh, more likely just, just jump ship and leave, I think that guy would be Russell Westbrook. I think he'd be more, like, he wants to be the guy no matter, no matter where he is. And I think that he doesn't have ties to OKC other than being drafted there. And I feel like he'd just up and leave and, and go play in L.A. because he's going to be um, in free agent next year. And if Kevin Durant's not there, why not? Like, who is he going to be playing with? Uh, Deion Waiters? Like, why not go Serge Ibaka, to L.A.? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Why, Serge, why not? Wasn't Serge Ibaka traded? Yeah, he was traded to uh, Orlando Magic for um, Ola which I, I think is awesome. Uh, and Sabonis. Who was that a who was that a better trade for? Uh OKC uh I think won the trade by Miles. Um they got Ursan Ilyasova who obviously isn't not Serge Ibaka and definitely not defensively, but they have Steven Adams there who was lights out in the in the um playoffs defensively. Then you get a guy like Ursan Ilyasova who can shoot like Serge Ibaka, if not better, um, from mid-range in three. And then they get a guy like Vic Oladipo who uh, is kind of the de facto James Harden, but a James Harden that can play defense. Uh, obviously, he's not the offensive scorer that James Harden is, but uh, OKC has really been lacking that um, kind of six-man, if you will, that can really score the ball outside of uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. So I think Kevin Durant's going to stick around after meeting with these six teams and, and kind of play this season with Oladipo and, and Ilasova and see if uh, OKC can make another couple moves to bolster their bench. Um, and I think this is a revamped squad, and we saw how close they were to the NBA championship. I think it would be stupid for Kevin Durant to move on right now. Mine's well just sign them one year with OKC and get the same amount of money that you're going to get from any other team for this one year and then wait and see for next year. But, um, but from, what think about it from this perspective, Zach, for a second. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but Durant's issue is that they've only, correct me if I'm wrong, OKC's only gone to the championship once, right? Correct. Yes. Yep. So don't you think Durant has an easier road to the ship they used to make the championship in the Eastern Conference. Certainly, certainly Especially does. Especially if he's joining a team that's already good. Yeah, he certainly, certainly does. Um, but the uh, the only thing there is, you know, if you don't go to any other team in Cleveland, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna be going trying to go through LeBron, who just won the championship. wouldn't you rather go through only LeBron, Zach, than have to go through the Warriors, the Spurs, the Clippers, maybe even the Grizzlies? Like, there's a lot of good teams in the West. There's only one really good team in the East. Definitely. That's certainly would only rather go through one team, you know. I just think um, if he's eyeing up this year, uh, I mean – it's, it's a tough argument you ring up there because, you know, you're going through one team, but you're going to be joining a team that um, doesn't have as much talent as, as a Western Conference team that he could join um, when you're 
thinking about other teams that he could join and the Spurs that he's going to be visiting with. Uh, imagine that, you know, joining up forces with Marcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, um, Tony Parker, him going there yeah, would, that, would almost that would be, be an amazing place to go to. I don't like the Spurs, would, but that would be amazing. Nor do I. That would almost 100%. be unfair as well. But lastly, uh, real quickly so we can move on, um, the KD and LeBron thing, I think that's something that nobody is talking about at all. I haven't heard uh, one major sports outlet. I've, I've typed it in on Google to see if anybody's talking about it. It's Kevin Durant and LeBron James teaming forces. We know they're really good friends. Um, LeBron signing the one-year deals so he can go anywhere whenever he wants. Kevin Durant um, is going to sign a one-year deal. Who's to say that they don't go to a team like L.A. or New York that's going to have a ton of cap space um, and join forces and try to win championships? They're both desperate to get back to the playoffs, too. They're both so yeah. desperate to get back to the playoffs, especially the Lakers. Right. They're such an historic franchise. Them not being in the playoffs is like the Yankees not being in the playoffs, at least for us exactly. growing up. Right. So I, that's something nobody's talking about, and I think it's a real possibility um, because of their their friendship and because of the TV money is going to allow teams, obviously, there's already teams that have two, three max players on a team. Um, it's going to allow guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant to go join forces or LeBron and Carmelo, Chris Paul. Uh, you know, there's all these rumors out there, and it's going to be real exciting in a year to see what happens. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be mad um, about Oh, yeah, these guys no are just teaming up, but it's just... No offense to Miami, but Melo, LeBron, and Durant in New York is just so much better than Bosch, Wade, and LeBron. Like, yeah, it definitely. Even yeah. Certainly, I would take Melo over Bosch any day. I would take Durant over Wade any day at this point. If this was 10 years ago, Durant was in the league and Wade was, and Wade was just like breaking in. It might be a better argument here, but at this point... Durant and Mello are so much better than Wade and Bosch. And LeBron yeah, is certainly. just as good, if not better, as an overall player now than he was then because he's learned so much and become a better team player. Right. Certainly, certainly. Plus, he has three championships. Three? Yeah, three championships yep. under his belt now, too. So, um, you know, he's if, if, I, if I'm LeBron, I did what I need do for Cleveland. I'll stay one more year, but now it's all about my legacy and how many championships yeah. I Let can me win. Ask you and one I don't question. see them winning a number of championships with Cleveland. Right. Let me ask you one quick question. How many championships is it going to take LeBron for there to be a true argument of LeBron being the greatest of all time over Michael Jordan? Is it going to take six? In my opinion, in my opinion, I don't think he really does need it anymore. I think he's proven himself. But in the, but do in I. the general public's opinion, in the general public's opinion, he needs at least five to even be considered yeah. as a top five NBA player. If you ask Charles Barkley, for instance, Barkley, he doesn't yeah. have LeBron in his top five NBA yeah. players of all time, which I think is right. ludicrous. Um, it makes sense because of the era that Barkley's from and playing against some of the guys he named and watching some of the guys he named. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Prima Abdul-Jabbar or Bill Russell or right. Michael Jordan. Um, and I forget two of the other guys he mentioned. Um, and they were all phenomenal basketball players. But I just – I don't think we've ever seen a talent like LeBron James's. Even, even Michael Jordan said um, in the game today – uh, these guys would have jumped over me. Um, that's how the game, like, just athletically, um, the, the game has evolved. And Jordan even uh, alluded to it. He said, you know, if I played in NBA uh, today with the skill set that I had, these guys would be jumping over me. It just, it just goes to show how much uh, <laughs> things have evolved. Well, Zach, Zach, did you- did you ever grow up going like camp or anything where you played like the game uh, like Leapfrog? Yeah, well, that's what I that's what all I see when I watch LeBron play. He just leapfrogs over everybody. Right, <laughs> that is for sure. The guy, the guy's the greatest Leapfrog player in the history of Leapfrog. <laughs> for sure. 
if, he, he may not be the best that. NBA player, but he's definitely right. he's got leapfrog for sure. Yeah, 100%. He rivals M- MJ in leapfrog, 100%. Let's move over to and talk. Let's go down the road to Las Vegas here, at least down the road from me. Um, and the NHL is going to Las Vegas. And there are a lot of people that say, this isn't going to work. It's going to be an epic fail. I'm not sure I agree with that, though. What about this, in your opinion, um, would make this a fail? Uh, whether it's NHL or just pro sports in Vegas in general, why do you think people are thinking this is going to be a failure and it's not going to work? And tell me what you think about it and if you think other teams are going to be headed there as well. Teams and sports, sorry. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a failure. Um, the argument that that uh, I've heard about people uh, thinking that it could be a failure is obviously we know sports gambling in Las Vegas um, is legal, um, and and players playing in Las Vegas and and you hear about it all the time, um, and it, it happens a lot in the NBA. Uh, players, you know, when they travel or they they go. Um, you know, traveling to, say, uh, New York to play the Knicks. Um, then after they, after the game, they, they all get a bus and go to Atlantic City and, and go gamble. And, you know, there's rumors of Michael Jordan being suspended from the league. That's why he wants to go play baseball because he owed the league uh, money or he was gambling a crazy amount and the NBA suspended him, but they didn't want to – uh, you know, blow up their their biggest player at the time. So he just went and played baseball until the the quote unquote suspension was gone. So there's there's worry that um, you know players. If that's true, play, if that if that's true, it really makes you wonder about Pete Rose. Right, right, um, and so there's there's worry that players in Las Vegas. Um, you know, having this easy access to to sports gambling can go make a bet and and go throw a game for their team and and uh, make a lucrative uh, money decision um, to, yeah, to throw I mean, a game to. I totally see what you're saying, and I don't think you're saying that you think this is the case. You're just arguing the point for yeah. people, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't my response it. to that, and let me know what you think, is that if these guys really want to make a bet, don't get a bet done. Because I don't think these guys have friends in Vegas or friends that can go to Vegas and be like, yo, like, you know, um, put this amount of money on this team and I'm going to have a bad game tonight. And, you know, we'll make my like, – right. if they really wanted to do it, they'd find ways to do it. Being in Vegas is not going to make or break that, in my opinion. I think there should be – at least one professional sports team in Vegas. It is one of the entertainment capitals of the world. Um, and sports is just as much entertainment as anything else. I mean, if you can have strippers and strip clubs and prostitution is legal and all that, then why on earth should there not be sports there? Certainly, and I, I agree. Um, I, as you said, you know, my argument is just the argument to uh, people against it, but my argument um, to to coincide with what you said uh, is there's too many athletes out there that work their whole life to, to make it into the professional sport. I'm let's say 97% of these guys have, have worked their whole life to, to make it to professional levels. There's the 3%, uh, you know, let's say not to say Bryce Harper or LeBron James um, don't work their tail off because we know especially with LeBron, the work ethic that he had to make it to where he is. But, you know, some of these guys kind of just have that build and have what it takes. It's in their blood to become a pro. But let's say 95 to 97% of these guys work their buffs off to get here. Um, and at any time, uh, at the least, you're going to have five five people on the court or on the ice. Um, and then, you know, obviously with football, there's 11 uh, baseball nine. Uh, even if we're talking soccer, there's ten, ten, eleven. Um, there, you can't just have one guy 
set to throw a game and have the game thrown. There's going to be at least four other guys that you'd have to try and and get on your side to be like, hey, uh, let's not play so well tonight. And that's not going to fly. Um, you can't just have one guy toss a game and have it work out uh, because there's too many professional athletes that do this because they love it and they've worked so hard at it that you're not going to have this problem of guys uh, throwing a game per se because you're going to have all these other guys uh, pushing their hardest to win. So I just don't think it's a viable argument. Um, while, you know, one player can try to throw it, it's not going to uh, push a game really either way. Um, so I think the NHL is going to see mass success with this. And we talked about it a little bit on our Saturday show with Corey. Um, I think it's not too long until we see at least three or four sports in Las Vegas. Absolutely. And before we move on, I mean, I think the most obvious one and the closest one would probably be the NFL and the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Oakland is not going to be in Oakland for very long. There were rumors that them and St. Louis were going to come to L.A., um, St. Louis obviously is doing that, and they are no longer St. Louis. They are the L.A. Rams again, which is exciting. Um, San Diego is another option, but I think San Diego has a better chance of staying in San Diego and in California than the Raiders do. Um, I don't see a team going there in MLB yet. Um, I also don't know if there's been talk of expansion to Las Vegas in the MLB, but that doesn't really make sense because you're not going to have 31 teams. And the only team, in my opinion, that I could see potentially leaving where they are currently in Major League Baseball would be Tampa. And Tampa's not going to Las Vegas because then you've got to reshift all the divisions. It would just be yeah. a complete mess. So that's – I don't see it there. And in the, in the NBA, I, just, I don't think that um, it's really necessary at this point. Um, NHL makes sense because it just wasn't happening in Arizona slash Phoenix. Um, which is already in the desert anyway, so it makes sense. And it's not working in Oakland. But they're close to Vegas. It just it, it those just make a lot of sense. Or some of the other ones right. that don't. Um, if Oakland is going to go to Las Vegas, when do you think this would happen? Do you think it could happen as early as not this not this season starting up in September, but the one after? Yeah, I think that that's definitely a possibility. Like you said. Um, there's rumors of both teams moving to L.A., so I think as quickly as they could have both been playing in L.A., we could see a team in Las Vegas. Um, and the only thing I could argue about the NBA and maybe the MLB is that uh, these are all businesses and they're all businessmen at the top trying to make as much money as they can, and I think we'll see. Keep in mind that there is, there is a minor league team baseball in Las Vegas. I know it's not the same thing as a, a major pro um, sport, but there is still a professional baseball team in Las Vegas. They do have that already, which could also cause problems because that minor league team would lose a ton of their, of their money and their, um, their fans and all that too. So that would create a serious problem. Um, It's not like the Las Vegas team would be affiliated with the Las Vegas, Las Vegas um, affiliate, I believe is a, is affiliated with the New York Mets. Yeah, and I I think we just we'll see a packed stadium um, for all these hockey games and other sports. We'll see how lucrative uh, um, it is for the NHL, and they'll try to do what they can and to to get a team. The thing about hockey is actually it's not like the NFL or the MLB. The stadiums only fit about eighteen to twenty thousand. Yeah, right. Right. Fill that, then it's still forty or fifty or even. 70, like some of the NFL stadiums. NFL, so it yeah. won't be hard to get 13 or 15,000 people in the hockey stadium and make it look extremely full and extremely exciting. And, you know, they'll get ice girls and, you know, they'll have dancers and, like, they'll, they'll, they'll jazz it up. They'll oh, make yeah. It a Vegas type of environment, 100%. Environment, right. Certainly will. And, um, you know, just thinking of the, all the things that come, uh, come along with you know, all the intricacies that um, are not thought of when a, a team moves, you know, we think about just filling stadiums, but then you think jersey sales, uh, the tax tax revenue, um, concessions, all those things add up, and it, it's going to become very lucrative for the NHL, and um, 
I could see, obviously, the NFL. And then for the NBA, they're always looking to expand and, and do what's best for the NBA. Um, we saw it with David Stern, who actually, you know, was not liked um, a lot, but he he was well-renowned for getting the NBA known globally, um, getting players to go uh, and do things overseas and, um you know, kids in China wearing Kevin Durant, LeBron jerseys. So they're trying always to expand, um, maybe not, you know, moving teams overseas, but getting getting their sport noticed. And they've done a good job of making the NBA more popular. And I think they'll, they'll see an opportunity to do so in Las Vegas as well. And um, there's, you know, thoughts of moving a team back to Seattle uh, with Sacramento. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a couple teams in California there that wouldn't be too far moved. Uh, so like I said, I think we'll see a couple other, a couple other sports be moving there in the not so distant future. Should be very exciting, man. Um, let's move over to some NFL talk quickly and, uh, very hot topic that we've discussed on pretty much every show we've ever done together, man. Um, and that is Tom Brady and the suspension and the plate gate and blah, 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 blah. And the bottom line is, of course, Brady is appealing to the suspension again. He was granted an extension um, to appeal this. And is there any validity to this, to this appeal? Like, is the NFL really going to embarrass themselves and reduce it again? Or do you think this is going to be upheld and he will be missing these first four games? I think he'll miss the four, first four games. Um... Just because I think they made an ASS. Emotions, you think? You don't think that it's actually going to be an, an overruling or anything like that? You think he has to do what he has to do to save face, go through the motions, have his high-powered legal team do everything they can possible? At the end of the day, uh, the NFL, you think, is going to stand strong and just say, "Nah, man, like you cheated. We caught you. Just sit out and then continue to play football. We'll never have to talk about this garbage again." Yeah, I think the NFL will stand strong, and they made a, an ASS out of themselves last year. Um, not even with it getting overruled, but just the whole process of it, um, the whole media, media coverage it. Uh, You're cutting out. I'm only hearing every other word. Um, just saying that that the NFL made an ASS out of themselves, uh, the whole media coverage, um, just how they handled it. Uh, was just a fiasco, and I think they're they're not willing to do that again. Um, I think they're you know gonna gonna uphold it and make them uphold and make them serve the four games um, and set a precedent that hey, if you do things uh, in a in a un, NFL uh, type fashion, that you're gonna have to pay for it, and not just that, but I think that uh, a lot of people like myself um, and not just because I'm a Bills fan and I I just like the Patriots but I think a lot of people all around football feel like the NFL and the Patriots um, and Roger Goodell kind of have this uh, bromance if you will for some reason you're cutting out every other word so let's let's move on to baseball and maybe um, maybe it will bring us some luck and connection will get a little stronger um, are you hearing me okay? I am hearing you okay. Did you just hear my sentence okay? No, see, I, I heard I heard you say, did you hear my, and then, like, you know, it started cutting out. But let's go over to baseball. Um, Chicago Cubs, like I mentioned in the opening, easily the best team in baseball through the first two months of this season, if not into the middle of June. But lately they're sliding a little bit. They're proving that they are human. And the San Francisco Giants have been beyond consistent since the start of May. And the Texas Rangers have really come on strong in the American League. And I don't think it's safe to say anymore that the Cubs are the best team in baseball. Um, They have some weaknesses. They are dealing with some injuries. And the Giants appear to be a complete team, even without Hunter Pence. And Texas just has so much depth and so much skill all over the field. I know their pitching staff has taken some hits with injuries, but they're still surviving. So if you had to, if I had to ask you right now, would you agree with me that Texas is the best team in the American League? Yes, I agree with you there. 
And with and I heard that by the way, so that's good news. Sweet. <laughs> and in the National League, um, who do you think is the better team right now, the Giants or the Cubs? And when I say better team, um, let's all discuss postseason because it's still over three months away. I think if they matched up right now in the postseason, I'd go with the Giants purely because of that top three um, in the rotation. Nothing against Lackey, Lester, or Arietta is fantastic, but I don't want to mess with Bumgarner, Cueto, and Samarja right now, or the Cubs, in an, oh, sorry, or the Giants in an even year. But just head-to-head right now, during the regular season, let's say they matched up against the same three opponents for a nine-game nine game stretch. Um, who do you like more right now in the National League, the Giants or the Cubs? I'm still going to go with the Cubs, um, even with the their recent um, struggles. I feel um, that they, they just have a lot more young depth, um, you know, they've dealt with injuries, Solaire, uh, Schwerber, obviously, but they brought up Wilson Contreras, who's, who's been on fire. Um, you know, the guys like Rizzo and Bryant uh, haven't been playing. What is going on with your connection, man? I wonder what is going on, because I, I hear, like, every other word. All right, will you carry on? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call back in. I'm going to call back in? Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, go, on, I'll go on a rant then. Um, so, yeah, with the Cubs, um, there's no doubt that their whole lineup is super deep. I mean, guys like Almora are up now. Um, the catcher, Contreras, is up now. And they're moving him around. He's played catcher. He's played first base. He's played left field. There's no shortage of skill on this team. But they are still losing ball games, and it's not about how good you are on paper. It's about how you play on the field. And we saw them struggle in the playoffs last year against good pitching because – Although these hitters are so talented, they are still all very young. They strike out at a very high rate. And although they brought in Zobrist, who was one of the league leaders last year in not swinging and missing, um, they're, they're still swinging and missing a little too much, the Cubs. And the Giants have just proven they know how to win. And with that being said, you really want to bet against the Giants in an even year. Um, even without Hunter Pence, they've shown that they are beyond – skillful, dominant. Um, the Dodgers are pretty good, but the Giants also have a much easier division to uh, contend in than the Cubs do, and that's also going to help them record-wise. And this is the type of um, series that these two were to meet in the postseason, let's say, that would probably come down to home field advantage and how well their top two or three pitchers did. Um, thoughts on that, Zach? Yeah. Uh, I would have to agree with you. Uh, I mean, I heard the last the last portion of what you said there, and um, it, it's really hard to decipher between, you know, my heart saying the Cubs, and but my head saying for all the reasons um, that you mentioned the Giants. Uh, I just feel that, um, you know, say it depends. You know, when you when you brought the question right now, um, right now, I guess yeah, I'd, I'd be taking the Giants. Um, for all the reasons you said, but I think if if we moved maybe a month forward, not even in the postseason, but say the Cubbies get everyone back and everyone um, is kind of hitting, uh, we know Jason Hayward's been in just an awful slump. Um, Rizzo and Bryant haven't been um, themselves as of late, um, but I think a lot of the guys on the Giants have been playing a little bit uh, over their heads um, as of late as well, and I think. If if it did come down to the postseason, yeah, it is an even year. Um, but I'd actually have to disagree um, a little bit. We we saw Cueto last year in the postseason; he was dominant. But uh, even last night, well, he night also had his the, struggles too. He did have some struggles. Yeah, right in the world. Right, and uh, last night he showed a chink in his armor against the Phillies, and he's he's had some some weird numbers against the Phillies. Uh, they showed it yesterday that he had an ERA of like five in his last three starts against the Phillies and showed last night. And I think Shark, Justin Marja, I don't know, I just can never trust that guy. I feel like he has a propensity to blow up. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, Arietta, who 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 is shown to be human as of late, um, is still a dominant force. I think, um, Right now, maybe I take Bumgartner today, but 
Um, I think if we were going overall, I don't know. That's tough. What do you? If you had to start your team with one pitcher, not named Kershaw, um, and it was say you had your first pick and it had to be Bumgarner or Arietta, who would you start your franchise with? Because for me, I. I'd say Arietta, but I think that might be recency bias, and I think Bumgarner's shown a better track record of dominance in Arietta's kind of shiny new toy. I'm going Bumgarner 100%, and I have nothing against Arietta. I think Arietta is still an elite pitcher, one of the best around. Um, but I like left-handers. I like a guy like Bumgarner who's been good since he emerged into as a major leaguer. I mean, you remember? You have to remember that when he first joined the Giants, he was like third or fourth in the rotation. Um, right. And he's been part of. He's the, the only. He's one of the only players left on this team besides Buster Posey, I think, maybe Sergio Romo, that was in there for every single championship that the Giants have had right. over the last six seasons. Um, he's been a major part, and we know how big he was in their in their last one. Um, when I start a franchise, yes, I want to get to the postseason, of course, but I'm thinking winning in the postseason, and maybe that's because I grew up in Yankees fan, and every single year it was win or or bust. Right. And we the Yankees built their team specifically to win in the postseason. They decided to get there. And that's kind of what the Giants have done, I think, with this team now. Um, the Cubs, the Cubs as a team, and a team like the Cubs, a team like the Blue Jays, teams that rely on the home run, typically falter in the playoffs. Yep. They get to the playoffs, but they typically falter there. And I believe, and I'm not looking at the stats, but I mean, I'm pretty good at remembering them. I believe the Giants are towards the bottom of Major League through home runs per game. But yet, they are up there in runs per game. Um, so clearly, they're manufacturing runs the same way a team like the Royals did last year. And that's the way to win in the postseason is with pitching and manufacturing runs. If you're relying on home runs, you're not going to hit them because you're going up against the best. You're not going up against the fours and fives anymore. You're going up against the best of the best. And teams like the Cubs, who have such a great offense but have such issues striking out, you saw what happened last year against the Mets when they met good pitchers. Pitchers, good pitching beats good hitting. And at the end of the day, I'm going with a team that can manufacture runs and who has proven to pitch in the postseason. I guess you can argue, though, that Lester and Lasky have both been wonderful postseason pitchers as well. Um, so that is obviously something to consider for the Cubs. In fact, you can definitely argue, and you'd be right, in my opinion, that Lester and Lackey are much more proficient playoff pitchers than Cueto and Samarja have ever been and will ever be. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing I was going to say. And you're right, San Francisco is, is 29th in the majors in home runs. Um, and as you said, the teams that hit home runs in the postseason usually falter. But if you if you look back at those teams, um, the Torontos, uh, you know, even looking at like a team um, like Baltimore or Boston, who's, who's hit a lot of home runs. But, you know, Toronto last year, they didn't have, pitching depth. They had David Price and, and nothing else really. Stroman was coming off an ACL and uh, was okay in the postseason, but uh, none of those teams had an Arietta, Lackey, and Lester. And that's what I was going to point out is we know um, the dominance that Lackey and Lester have had in, in postseason performances, and you add those guys behind a number one like Arietta, who um, you know, it might be one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball when his stuff is on. He has four different pitches um, that he could put at any side of the plate when he wants to. Um, and when he has all that going, he's he's one of the best. So, um, you know, you add in those young boppers and you think, yeah, they're going to strike out a lot. And, and yes, they will. Um, but they had a guy like Zobrist, who's played in the playoffs before. Um, and you, you add those two pitchers who have – pitched many of times in the postseason and I think you you have a, a recipe for success. Um, you look at a team like the Mets who made it there last year with their pitching but look how god awful their lineup is right now. Um, they can't freaking get get a run right now. They can, they can barely hit a run. They have, they have James Loney and Kelly Johnson uh, being part of their line, like integral part of their lineups um, it's just, it's bad, but, um, yeah, I, I, 
I think I'm still going to to get back to your original question. I'm going to take the Cubbies as, as the best team in the NL if I had to to pick one right now. Well, that brings me to our final discussion then today, as we only have about five or so minutes, anyways. Who is the best team in baseball? Are we going to stick with one of these NL teams, or do we like a team in the American League, whether it be Texas or a team that started slowly, like maybe the Houston Astros, for instance? We should talk about them a little bit, because um, a month ago they were in worse place than even my boys, the Yankees. Um, They were like 12 or something games under 500, but they've been on fire lately. I mean, Altuve might be an MVP candidate. Springer has been incredible and stayed healthy. We know how good Correa is. Keigel's obviously not been Keigel from last year, but he's definitely settled back into being a proven top-of-the-rotation type of guy. And if they get some pitching, and definitely out of any team out there besides maybe the Cubs, the Astros have as much as anybody to trade to bring in other pieces. They are loaded in that system because they were so bad for so long. We've only seen um, we've only seen a couple of the type of players they can bring up. I mean, they still have a kid named uh, Alex Bregman who yeah. has to move because of Correa, and this is a kid that could be the second or third best hitter on this team next year. Um, you know, so, like they are loaded, yeah. and he's not, he's not the type of guy they'll trade. But you know, you might see them trade a guy like AJ Reed, who's their first AJ Reed, prospect, yeah. who has been awful in. Uh, in the minor leagues this year after an incredible season last year. And I believe he's been called up to the majors now. Um, yeah, he played last I night. I think it might be more of an audition for teams um, that might be interested in acquiring him, and the Astros might use him as a trade chip to bring in a rotation guy, maybe like a Sonny Gray, um, or maybe, you know, talk to a team like the Pirates. I've heard rumors of Francisco Liriano potentially being on the block as well as they've struggled and haven't had the type of season that they were expecting to have. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, and I I think maybe they could, uh, you know, now that they're back in this thing, um, you know, we saw them bring up A.J. Reed. He played last night. Um, he talked about Bregman moving to third because of uh, Correa. Uh, I think if they, if they really think that they're back in this thing, that they bring him up because I think he's obviously a clear upgrade um, over a guy like Luis Valbuena. Uh, so I think we could see Bregman. I think that's a great point that, you know, they brought up Reed maybe as a, as a showcase um, now that they feel like they're back in it, and he could definitely be uh, a chip to trade. Um, we talk about this team getting back in the race and, uh, you know, Keiko coming back down to, to earth in a good way. Uh, he wasn't flying high. He was, he was flying low. Playing low, like in the mantle of the earth, and he came back to, to the, uh, to the ground for once, and um, <laughs> came up out of the ground back to being a good pitcher. And Lance McCullers, who's a guy who's um, a strikeout machine, he's got over a K per nine, um, and seems to have his command I mean, uh, a little bit. Bad either. Right, he hasn't, he hasn't too bad. Um, and Hugh has been, been awful. McHugh oh, hasn't, McHugh hasn't been, yeah, um, been you know, great, he but he's he's been better as of late. Um, and then a guy like Carlos Gomez, who was awful, got awful, has now finally started to hit a little bit. Um, and you know that that that's helpful at the at the bottom of their order to get a guy who was thought to maybe be uh, an All Star type player, a perennial All Star. Um, then was traded to the Mets, had that hit back injury, and ended up on the Astros and really faltered. Um, but he's starting to hit. And then Evan Gaddis, um, who was sent down to the minors to begin the season because he couldn't hit a beach ball, and he's starting to mash now. So uh, this team is coming back catcher. in the race. And playing catcher, catcher has yeah. a lot of depth to their, um, to their lineup. And, you know, the biggest struggle to me for the Astros in the first month of the season was Keiko wasn't pitching and their best hitter outside of Altuve was Colby Rasmus. That's the problem. Yeah. Yes, Colby Rasmus was on fire. He significantly cooled down because he's not the yeah. player that he was in April. Um, but when that's, when Colby Rasmus is hitting the best for you and you have players like Springer and Correa, um, that's a bit of a problem. 
because those are Springer, Cray, and Altuve is the core of that lineup. And if they aren't hitting well, then the Astros aren't going to go that far. We know how good both Altuve and Cray is, how good Springer is, and like you mentioned, Valbuena, he's not a bad ball player, but there's not a lot of upside. And Mar- Marwin Gonzalez is really more served as a great utility infielder. Yeah. But he's not shouldn't be a guy that's starting at either first or third base either. So you gotta figure that they might want to bring up Bregman and give themselves that shot in the arm that they did last year when they brought up Correa. Not to say that Bregman's gonna have Correa numbers, but uh this is a guy that could easily hit two eighty with fifteen home runs over the next three months. Certainly. Certainly. I agree. Oh well that's definitely gonna be interesting. Um and then I'd, I'd have to say last week we don't have a lot of time. It's just what's what's evolved here in the AL Central. Uh, we talked about both Chicago teams being lights out to start the season with, with the White Sox being the other team. God, have they fallen off. And and the Indians have kind of uh, gotten that shot in the arm from, from the uh, Cavaliers, kind of getting in a winning way here. They won nine in a row, and uh, they're clear division leaders. So, uh that's, that's oh, they're absolutely, without thing. a doubt, the best team and most complete team in that division, 100%. Yeah. No one can argue it. Um, and it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I was talking to uh, Kyle on the baseball show, and I was like, so is the Central a two-team race now, uh, Cleveland and KC? He's like, no, no, like Detroit, Chicago, blah, blah, blah. At this point, I don't see Chicago being a playoff team. I think they're I think they're better than they have been playing, but they're not as good as they were in the beginning of these seasons. Yeah. Detroit too inconsistent and too old to me. They're kind of yeah. like 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 the Yankees in my opinion. They have the names and they have talent, but they're not playing well and they're old. And there's other teams that are just bad, better than them. The Royals are good, and I would never count yeah. the Royals out. They've proven that you shouldn't count them out. But Cleveland is just right. really, really solid. And now that they have Carrasco back, that rotation yeah, is probably the deepest and most nasty. consistent in the American League. I mean, when you have Tallman and Bauer pitching the way they are at the end of the rotation behind Kluber, uh, Carrasco, and Salazar, you're in good shape. They're getting home yeah. run production. Remember, remember early in the season, or even sorry, preseason, we were talking about the Indians, and you did your article, you were a little down on Carlos Santana and whatnot. And I agree with you on the basis of, he hasn't hit for a good average, but he has a great on-base percentage, and he has displayed yep. power potential. He's on pace for over 30 home runs now. Mike Napoli right. has been a really a really good club, clubhouse guy for them. Lindor hasn't skipped a beat. Kidness is oh still God, okay. Awesome. Um, Juan Uribe, although old and you know a little chunky, uh, he's also a good um, clubhouse guy. He's been good. Lonnie Chisenhall has done his job in the outfield. Ross I. Davis done his job in the outfield. Um, if this team gets Michael Brantley back, they don't even necessarily yeah. need to make a deadline move. Right. Certainly, they are certainly. the most complete team in the Central, I think. They have a good enough lineup, great starting pitching, and their bullpen, they, they, might, they could use maybe a bullpen piece, um, like a seventh, eighth inning guy to go with, uh, I think, like Shaw and Reed, and I think they have one of their – Mainstay, I'm blanking right now. Manship or McAllister. Yeah, either way, like their their bullpen's good. It's just not great. Yeah. Uh, I think they they could probably use a corner outfielder and a bullpen piece, and they'd be complete. But right. they're definitely the elite in their division, and would be a very tough team to face in the division series, if not uh, best of seven series as well. Um, anything no else you want to talk about from the baseball standpoint? Do you have any brain busters for me, or you want to wrap? No, I think I think we we hit it all there, but we're definitely over a little time here. I think we could talk baseball till uh, it gets dark here or there. So I think we crushed it per use, and uh, I will be talking to you Saturday. So from the best in the west to the beast in the east, our sports buffet uh, is getting put away. Yeah, we're we're cleaning it up, but there will be leftovers throughout the week. So if you uh, miss something or you're hungry, you can always tune in and uh, catch what we talked about here today. And with regards to Saturday, Zach, yes, I'm looking forward to our show, 1 p.m. 
Is it 1 p.m. Eastern? It is 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 yeah. p.m. Eastern to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. I believe we're moving over to the, the might be the NFC East, so you're, you're, you're going to have a fun show, obviously, um, as I talk about the, the Cowboys and make no doubt. bold statements that will not come true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's really about it, man. Um, everyone listening, that was Zach Sauer, and I'm Lou Landers. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Have a great day and a great week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.